Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Oh, hello, and welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And today we're looking at a year that we call 1991. I, Chaz, was all ready to just... Um, to just go all in on like some flannel and some grunge and like mm. Nirvana and mm-hmm. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but when I was doing my research, you know, into like uh, awards shows and kind of the cultural moment, it, it seems like 92 is actually when all that stuff was like super ubiquitous. Yeah. Well, it was the, uh, you know, the aftershocks of Nevermind. Right. And so Nevermind came out later in the year. And so yeah. like... The, if you look, like for instance, at the Grammys, which I'm going to, I don't know about you, I got some Gram- <laughs> well, I got some hot I, Grammy goss. To I think share I'm going to be winning a few again this year. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's just let let's wait on that. But anyway, it's you, an Obies. I just you know, whenever I'm low on cash, I sell one of those. And- if you uh, if you look at the lineup that was happening at the Grammys in 1991, it's still the music of 1990. But then it like changes drastically and dramatically. Like the Grammys of 1992 are like a mosh pit, basically, <laughs> and 91 is like I don't know some slicked up pop and like Luther uh-huh, Van- Luther uh-huh. Vandross and stuff like that. Anyway, this that's like that's excellent. all coming up. That's a sneak peek of this episode, Chaz. This feels like an excellent segue into David Bowie in the late 80s and early 90s. Slicked up super pop. Or grunge. Right into a mosh pit, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Just, yeah. Well, I'll let you yeah, jump into the mosh pit and take our audience members with you, or maybe they'll hold you up. I, um... <laughs> we can I, only I, yeah, this metaphor... I'm not sure about the metaphor, but audience, you, know, you, you, you hold up Charlie as he jumps into the mosh pit of David I Bowie. I can only hope, because I, I remember being in a mosh pit as a younger guy. Yeah. And it was a mosh pit that was... It was a little thin, let's be honest with a ourselves. A thin mosh pit. But some guy was convinced he was still going to stage dive. <laughs> And he did it, and uh, nobody caught him, but except for my face. <laughs> nobody knew he was doing it, and there were enough, not enough people to support him, but he went for it. I don't know if he was drunk or stoned or whatever, Sure, but uh, it really hurt my face. And, and Char- I fell down, and nobody helped me back up, and uh, that was it. And Charlie was like, it was I not was, a good mosh pit. I was, it was sh- like, I'm going to go to a different mosh pit. Chaz is like, I was just trying to enjoy Enya, and this guy jumped on my <laughs> face. <laughs> I was feeling like I don't have a lot to even say in 1991. I'm kind of thinking this is going to be a lean, muscular podcast. Yeah, let's do it, man. Just like what Bowie was doing in 1991, which was... Tingy. Getting jacked? Oh. oh, baby, Jake. It's year three. Well, it's year two oh, of the three. That's the, the best year one. we've done. It's is the that, final Tin Machine episode. Is right this, here, the, is this the best Tin Machine year? Just sneak peek it. Is it? Uh, it's a tie. It's a tie for first. <laughs> it's definitely not the worst. Oh, the okay. Worst oh, solid. Yes. Solid. Yeah. Great. Love it. Uh... So, unlike Tin Machine, the other episode will probably be pretty quick. Okay, so the Tin Machine, you know, it, in, in one minute, for those of you who are listening to these out of order that we made them, 
Uh, Tin Machine is a band that Bowie joined and formed and was part of immediately after his nader, that being Never Let Me Down in 1987. And uh, it's bad. It's a big, full rock, muscular rock style. Mm. Uh, it could be optimistically described as proto-grunge, but it, you know, it's hard rock. It's hard rock. It's not very good, but it was an improvement about what he was doing before. The okay. slicked back, whatever. Uh, so he did that in 1989, brought the band together. They wrote a song called Tin Machine, named their band Tin Machine, <laughs> put it on an album called Tin Machine. Mm-hmm. Yep, go on. Uh, then Bowie immediately followed up that up in 1990 by taking the year off and doing Greatest Hits Tour. That's right. Apparently that I just like so flies in the face. What uh, she was supposed to represent? What a he terrible about, hypocrite! Equal, you know, four <laughs> equal guys in the band. We're all together. Oh, by the way, guys, see you later. I'm doing a greatest hits tour, making mad cash, <laughs> stacking cash stacks. Hey, do you think that he was like uh, the the Tin Machine guys were like, oh, well, uh, you don't have to call us Tin Machine on your massive world tour that we could get paid a lot of money for. We just <laughs> since we've been playing together, maybe we could uh, play your no. hits. <laughs> no, they no. did not do that. No, no, they wanted there. But then, so then he comes back from from uh, this giant, super lucrative uh, world tour to find that uh, his record label refuses to release their next <laughs> album called Tin Machine Two. <laughs> could, could they not have called it Tune Machine, like with the two T W O N Machine? No, no, <laughs> no? no. Oh, you're so wrong right now. Oh. So wrong. But it feels so right. But anyway, they somehow managed to find another record label to release them, because they did. But his old record label just wanted him to make Let's Dance a few more times, and he was sure. like, no, I'm doing Tin Machine. I didn't like that $10 million check you wrote me. <laughs> write me a smaller one. Uh-huh. So, uh, the album Tin Machine 2, let's, let's dive right mm-hmm. into this bad boy. I'm into it. So a lot of it was actually recorded back in 1989, before the hiatus. But it wasn't completed. They came back after the tour and after Bowie uh, recorded a couple, uh, like recorded the movie The Linguini Incident, which we talked about. <laughs> Great title. Until '92. Great title. Uh, and also TV show, which we'll get into later. And they came back for this. And uh, Tim Machine Two. I'll get more into it when we, when we do the points. But for better or worse, it's it's both better and worse than Tim Machine One. It's both better and worse. It's better and worse simultaneously. I think you're about to explain what that means. I think I'm going to explain it during points. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that was anticlimactic. Add your seat for... Chaz is like, it caused global warming. <laughs> Why? Maybe later. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, so they followed it up by an actual world tour. After the two machine won, they did like 12 dates and that was it. This time, world tour, baby. Hey, check now, it uh, Dylan, of course, would do this many dates in like a, you know, a three-day weekend. And, but he, and he actually did, I'm it, pretty it sure. It was a big deal. This year. Uh, in 91, they did 63 dates. Ooh. In 92, they Whoa. did an additional 13 for a total of 76 dates. That's, for that's not a lot. Well, that's a lot for more, most It's people. a lot for Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot for 99.9% of all I'm musicians. glad for everyone except for Bob Dylan. That's pretty... I, can, I think that's... Oh, the Grateful Dead. Been. Grateful Dead, I got okay. it. Okay. You Everyone. can put them in there. Okay. Uh, so their tour was you know, decent. They're bef- definitely better live than they are on record. Yes, you said that. Um, they... I, I don't believe you. 
everybody got to sing at least one song for this tour. So Ooh. it's really like it's it's a four way band thing there. You know, hey. everybody gets to sing. You get to sing, and you get to sing, and you, and I'm gonna sing too. Boys but like three appearances. Boys like I got I've got heroes. Can I sing Heroes, please? Uh, Jake, they, mm. that is not a Tin Machine song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is no, when no. it's Heroes. No? Nope. Oh. Oh. They didn't they write did it together sing. then is what you They did to not say. sing any Bowie songs. Not one Bowie song. Not one Bowie wow. song. Well, All com- Tin Machine and sundry covers. Commit to the bit. Way to go. Include, including Bob Dylan and yeah. Mayhew's Farm. May, Mayhew's Farm, that's right. I don't know if they did it on the second tour. I think it was just on the first tour. Because it was so good the first time. It was so good the first day they released it as a single, Jake, as right. I recall. <laughs> I do recall. It's a double A-side single. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, whoa, double A-side uh, they, they were on SNL, but I couldn't find that clip. But they were also on a little show, Jake, by the name. Yeah. Of, and I want – I just hope you respond. You're going to respond the way they want you. I know you will. The Arsenio Hall show. I was going to say Arsenio Hall. I was hoping you were going to start going, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let's, can we take it back? I was surprised I was actually yeah. thinking Arsenio Hall. There's a little show by the name of the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why was it a thing? By Guys, you can't see it, but I'm moving my hand in that, in that way that Arsenio Hall. Yeah, that way, Hall. that like, gesture yeah. where you're like... You're just pumping you're your... Like, fist in it and you're like, like riding the, in a circle and your head. <laughs> You're a studio hauling. You're hauling it. You're riding the carousel. You're feeling the flow. <laughs> but you're also saying, Look at it. Look at it. Good times. Studio hall doing 91. What a slice right of now. life, 91. What a time was. to be alive. It really was. <laughs> the best. So, I did watch the Arsidio Hall show appearance of Tin Machine. Uh, they came out in... Bowie, during a lot of this, was wearing Hawaiian shirts... With neon suits, Hawaiian really shirts, mostly with neon. green. He was he had this bright green. They kind of had like different colors, like uh, okay. power green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of were like the different Power Rangers. Did there they was re- the bright green one, which was Bowie? <laughs> the bright blue one, which was uh, Tony Sales. Uh, I'm having trouble remembering which color Reeves Gabriel was. What about Back Tap? Aunt Sales back, was like back tap boring, wear one? boring brown. In the back. brown. But then he very quickly removed everything, you know, from the, the belt up, and he was well, yeah, you know, tattooed. He's, he's, and he's back tat. Shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think that these suits reflected their moods and personalities like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or was it one of those things? <laughs> I could only assume. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Great. But during the Arsenio Hall show, Jake, I want you to know mm-hmm. that at one wild moment, mm. Bowie gets up and starts singing. Lustily mm. at a, in the crowd. Oh, he removes his shirt. No, and wraps it around his face for some reason, <laughs> and continues singing for a little while with the shirt wrapped around his face over his mouth, and gives it gently to the woman in the front row. <laughs> we assume too. Was everyone like? <laughs> I actually did not see that happen during the middle of it. <laughs> Uh, I can also confirm that even in 1991, Bowie has the musculature of a prepubescent boy. (laughs) This is all good stuff, Jess. I want you to know. I know you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. This is great. Hey, Jake. I have this written down straight. I'm gonna read what I wrote. Okay. We can make fun of Tin Machine and should, but Mm. it was good for Bowie. It Mm. really was. Okay. Uh, But as bad as Tin Machine was, it was still an improvement over Never Let Me Down and Mm. the. Awful trash he was making. It's probably an improvement over tonight, also. Sure. Yeah, yeah probably. And tomorrow. Uh, 
It also was a big burst for him creatively. And I've got a quote here that I don't know where it originally came from, but I, I found it in The Complete David Bowie by Nicholas Begg, the uh, book that I, I sing the praises of every few episodes. Sure. It's been a little while, so I needed to get it out there. Hey, plug it. I, plug, I, it plug, oh, yeah. plug it right in. If you're in. a rabid Bowie fan, you should own this book. They probably already do. Well, let's hope so, because if you don't, what are you doing with your life? You're wasting your life. Guys, stop it. Guys. All right. This is Bowie. Once I'd done Tim Machine, nobody could see me anymore. They didn't know who the hell I was, which was the best thing that ever happened. You know, I was back using all the artistic pieces that I needed to survive. And I was beaming myself with the passion that I had in the late 70s. Mmm. So it no. was good. So what was it the... It was good for me. It kind of, like, demolished him. Like, because nobody cared about Tim Machine. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had a few years where no one really cared about him. And then he was able to, like... Yeah. Be creative and stop. Because he was trying... He spent so much time in the 80s trying to, like be whatever his new fans want him to be after yeah. Let's Dance. Fulfill expectations. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and he just, then after this, he just like decided to do his own thing. You know, that's for 10 years and it was good for him. Well, that's interesting you say that because Dylan, you know, uh, Dylan spent the eighties, especially the late eighties and the early nineties, um, trying to fulfill, trying to like, I don't know, be popular or find yeah. some new sound or something like getting away from just doing whatever the hell he wants, which is what he always did. Right. But actually like, you know, trying to find producers and different sounds and stuff like that. And it never worked. It never worked mm-hmm. at all. And then finally he's like, well, screw it. I'm just Bob Dylan. <laughs> and that right. worked. Which is, which is basically exactly the same thing that Bowie did. But yeah. Tim Machine helped him get there like a little bit faster. Sure. That's cool. Dylan, you know? Yeah. Um, because it was, yeah, it kind of crushed him down and made him something different. And they just kind of went back to doing whatever he wanted to. Which, I mean, Tim Machine does whatever he wanted to, kind of also. And well, whatever sure. three other guys also wanted to do. The same sure, thing. yeah. Things got better when it became just what he wanted to do, rather than <laughs> what the other guys also wanted to do. Well, he's an iconoclast. So, Bowie kept talking, like, well into 1992 and maybe even 93 about how, you know, it was just a matter of time before Tim Machine came back for that, you know long-awaited third album. For, this is, you know, well after he had started releasing solo albums of his own again. In for, for Three in the Machine? Three in Machine. That's what they should have called it. A third one. <laughs> they would have called it Tim Machine 3. We all know it, okay? Three in quit, Machine. Following up Two to be, in the Machine. <laughs> quit trying to be creative here. Uh, they would have named it like their live album, Oy Vey Baby. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking the other day that every time you know you see like a Pitchfork review of like two musicians. I'm I'm struggling to think of an example. Like two indie musicians or whatever that just they team yeah. up. You know, um, they. I, I feel like it should be a law that they come up with some pun where their two names like, get smashed. Like together. a cel- a celebrity couple name. Yeah, but but better than like Brad Jelena. Mm hmm. That's yep. not one anymore. I think they broke up, but I don't really. They did. Up. They did. It was all the rage at the Oscars this year, Chaz. Oh, well, I watched the Oscars, but I don't remember that part. Well, Brad Pitt's just a swinging batch again. That's what happens. Well, he's just a just a got in tow, He's out there, baby, <laughs> and everyone's loving it. Not just him. <laughs> Anywho, uh, that's just something off the top uh, of my dome. So they talked about it, but there were a lot of reasons why things didn't work out. I mean, one of them was Bowie suddenly becoming, you know semi-relevant again and want to do his own creative well, he kept working with these girls for many years <laughs> yeah more. that's true uh, but apparently one of the big problems was drugs heavy heavy drug use on oh. the, the part oh, of yeah. the drummer Hunt Sales mm-hmm. who, if you look him up today and I recommend looking up Hunt Sales 2019 Uh-oh. he looks like a pirate <laughs> 
He uh, he wears an eye patch. I think he lost his eye at some point. What? He looks like he. I don't know. This guy is like it's incredible. I didn't mean to laugh. It's a, no. I it's I don't know. It's not funny, that dude. It's something. Hunt He's got huge sideburns and long yeah. gray hair and facial tattoos and like I don't know what's going on with that dude now. But apparently it's cleaned up now, like just very recently. Great. Anyway, drug use was a major problem, Jake, and I, I wanted to take this opportunity mm-hmm. to, uh, to share a public service announcement. No. And those of you who have listened to the other Two Machine episode will, will remember these, <clears throat> these really heartfelt, meaningful words mm-hmm. uh, from a song off the first Tim Machine album called Crack City. Mm. <laughs> and this, this one goes out to, to Hunt Sales in uh-huh. 1991, right now. To 1992 also. Okay. <clears throat> yep, piss on the icon monsters. Those guitars bequeath you pain. They'll face you down to their level with their addictions and their fast lanes. Oh, yeah. Corrupt with shaky visions. <laughs> Crack and coke and alcohol. They're just a bunch of a-holes with my force for their brains. <laughs> You can't keep on riding the pain you know so well. They'll ride you down to the gutter, and they'll ride you down to hell. Uh. (laughs) As Um. true today as when it was written, All those yonder years before. All those yonder (laughs) years. 31 years ago, Jake, and still... You know, Dylan. Dylan. Single worst lyric David Bowie ever wrote in his entire life. Dylan gets. Well, that he released. He might have written something worse and just didn't release it. Dylan. Dylan gets accused all the time of you know sort of like using other people's lyrics and stuff like that. I don't. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody would have said. Plagiarize that. That would be amazing. (laughs) He's like, but holes for brains. (laughs) (laughs) A holes with buttholes. Set to the tune of uh, My Body Lies it. Over the Ocean. <laughs> Here we are with the new Bob Dylan track. Nugget right on back, Jim. Right on back. And, hey, yeah. Bowie was also in, not in a movie in 1991, but he was in a very forgotten TV show. Two what? episodes of an extremely forgotten TV show called uh-uh. Dream On. Dream On. I will dream on. TV show is about a guy who was a... Uh, what was he, a book publisher? He's a book publisher. Sure. Editor, something like that. That's what I And his ex-wife, who he's still friendly with, but secretly in love with, Jake. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, the main gimmick of the show is it's interspersed with uh, vintage clips from TV as in movies. Oh. Like, so it it was kind of like, it's an interesting idea, and it worked sometimes. It wasn't horrible. Okay. It was was not awful. Okay. It was an interesting idea done Okay. The creators of the show apparently later went on to make a little show, don't know if you've ever heard of it, Jake, called Friends. <laughs> oh, what? Friends? Yes. And I, I didn't look this up, but this honestly might be the last show they did before Friends, because it lasted six seasons somehow. It did. Uh, this The two episodes I watched, it was, you know, a two-parter. I, 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 a, I watched this. It was one. A very special episode? Very special. The first two episodes of season two mm. of Dream On. Yeah, uh, it it revolves around this uh, this movie production, and Bowie is the director, who is a fabulously gigantic jerk, mm. and it's just like coming up ripping off these incredibly sculpted uh, insults for everyone around him mm. in a delightful fashion. <laughs> I gotta say, Bowie was wildly entertaining this show. Yeah, I thought was, that was fun. Show, he was he was fab. He was really fab. The show uh, culminates with. Uh, the, the main guy who is, I don't remember the actor's name or the character's name, 
So we're just going to call him Main Guy. Main Guy. Uh, where he's there. Main they're finishing guy. up production in whatever city they're in. Probably New York because that's where everything's set. No, actually, I think it was in L.A. or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sure. And uh, he finally America. tells off Bowie and just says something. Look, you know, I'm, I, I'm not part of this production. You can't fire me. You have no power over me. I just want you to know that everyone thinks you're a humongous a-hole. Everyone thinks you're a huge jerk. You're just the worst. Mm. Bowie looks at him and goes, oh, is it ev- everyone Everyone feels this way? Everyone? I, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know. All, all I can say is that I don't care! <laughs> And then works off some more amazing insults and away they go. Wow. It was great. Wow, okay. Way to go. Anyway. Okay. It was, uh, it was also some very surprisingly adult. Apparently this is HBO. So I don't know where it came from, but there was like topless scenes and uh, with? all kinds of F-bombs and stuff. I did not see any of that coming. I almost uh, asked my eight-year-old if he wanted to watch it with me. And then uh, he was going to bed, so I watched it by myself. And I'm, I'm glad I did that. Hey, that's a, gr- that's a great, great choice. <laughs> Great choice on your yeah, what, uh, A reoccurring gag that actually was honestly done pretty funny is that people keep going to the wrong studio. Okay. Like, to get, trying to get to this film, they get to the wrong studio. And it's this over-the-top, like, 80s horror film with this guy in this big rubber suit <laughs> and all kinds of like of girls taking their tops off for no reason whatsoever. Sure. But it was it, it got to be pretty, pretty funny. I'm just saying. Hey, let's uh, end out this thing with a couple notable things. All right. One. Something really good happened to Bowie Jake in 1991. What was it? He got engaged to Iman. Oh, that is that's lovely. That's, that's lovely. Involved. Round of applause. Everyone. That's something there. nice. You can't. Yeah, that's, it's something legitimately nice because Iman was. Is, she's great. I was gonna say was. No, she's still great, Jake. I think and it so. It was good for Bowie. They were good for each other. Excellent. So. Yep. And did they? They didn't have a celebrity name, did they? They were just. They were too. They were too. That was before. That was before the time. I guess so. What was the first celebrity name? This is terrible. I don't even want to know the answer to this. I don't know. Maybe like Tomcat or something. It's a. I feel like it's a relatively recent. Well, sure it is. Sure it is. Yeah, we could call Bowie Man. Bowie Man. Bowie. Oh yeah. That kind of rolls. That just that writes itself. Nice. (laughs) Nice. I applaud you, and I applaud Bowie, and I applaud him on. Bowie Man. Bowie Man. <laughs> we call her and him Bowie Man. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. You know, yeah. we don't have a lot of great yeah. relationship news on this podcast for our guys. <laughs> no. You know, we're yeah. happily married, but our guys struggle. It's because between the two between the two of them, <clears throat> there was one good relationship. And that was Bowie Man. <laughs> exactly. Bowie's first marriage was trainer. <sighs> His other sunder relationships. Oh, so many sundries. It Dylan, seemed, it seemed like Dylan had Dylan had a good run with with Sarah Dylan, as far as anybody yeah. knows. It, it ended yeah. in disaster, but yes, that, that's the thing is that Bowie Mon, they were still as apparently seemingly as happy as ever. Going strong, going strong. Twenty twenty five years later. Hey, nice. Hey, finally, let's uh, finish things up with year and hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's another like kind of generic year for Bowie's hair. He just had a lot of years where he had this kind of like slicked back thing, but you know, like a few well placed things like coming forward at the front, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Just a oh, bit. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, yeah, he was complimenting it with a lot of Hawaiian shirts and <laughs> I don't like brightly that. colored suits. <laughs> I don't like that either. And he had this one electric green one with no lapels on it. It looked extremely at the time. <laughs> the bright suit with no lapels was like, yeah. you could not get more 1991. And the pants, that. the pants were huge. They were like, oh, poofy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Suit pants. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Uh, we were disappointed he was not wearing uh, black and white two-tone shoes. Yeah, but why we, not? Well, that must have, that watching, must have been my later. My wife was watching a clip with me, and we were we were disappointed that he was not doing that. His uh, his guitar player, Tony Sales, was. Oh, okay. Not Bowie. You know those. He things- also frequently appeared with his shirt off on stage, and he also regularly wore a T-shirt that says uh, "F you, I'm a Tim Machine." <laughs> Well, I support that. That's cool t-shirt. <laughs> cool tee. Hey, if I had to choose oh. that, e- either that or his bare 13-year-old chest, I guess I'm going with the tee. <laughs> hairless. 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 <laughs> yeah. Why hairless? I just don't think he's... He's not a hairy man, Jake. Yeah, but... He tried to grow a beard a couple times. It's a really yeah. thin, scraggly beard. He's not a very hairy man. He may have been an alien. We're not We're not too sure. Well, I mean, the, man, the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth suggests that he is an alien. That was a documentary. <laughs> it was secretly a documentary. <laughs> it was all real. <laughs> it was all terribly real. <laughs> well, anyway, back to you, Jake. Disturbingly real. Uh, so I give it, it his hair, that is. Uh, yeah. Let's go with a two. Let's just go plus two on that. Two and a half? Two, uh, no, no, no. It's kinda, I'm going to go with two and a half. It's oh, just I think you should... for him. It's bare in the middle. It's what about two? What about a two and a quarter? 2.75. No. Uh, two and a half. Okay. Hey, it's your show. This is a well-considered thing that I made up just now. A uh, <laughs> lot of research. A lot of research, a lot of care put into A lot of zoot suits considered. <laughs> I'm wearing a zoot suit right now. <laughs> you can't see. Hey, those actually came yeah. back in a huge way when the when the ska revolution, the brief ska revolution. Well, no, when it turned into the swing revolution. Like, oh, yeah, the, the swingers. Which is still, like, I want to read a, a well-researched book about how on earth that happened. Like, where oh, did that thing come from? That was crazy. I don't know. The but it was big. Of the late 90s. I liked it. But I was then, into it. But then the ska bands, like, some of them took the zoot suits. Like, Cherry... No, Cherry yeah. Pop and... Cherry Pop and Daddies. No, I'm thinking Real Big is, Fish. I mean, the, the, I, think it's, I think it's reasonable to do some comparisons between ska and swing. Like, I think so, too. Closer There's horns. Both of, them have, so right both of them have horns, and you're supposed to dance to it. But, like, the swing craze. Like, where did this thing come from? It was so weird. I don't know. I remember that. I like, again, I liked it. I liked it. I was all for it. was fine. Uh, my, those were my prime, like, Rolling Stone spin years. And, like, there were just yeah. swing bands in, like, Rolling Stone all the time. Like, the Brian Setzer Orchestra and all that right. kind of stuff. Cherry Pop and Daddies. The, ch- the Cherry Pop and Daddies. Disturbing name for a band. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, I don't think I realized it when I was like, in middle school. No, 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 no. It's a horrible name. Yeah. It's, t- it's terrible. Yeah, that one wouldn't fly today. Nope. Nor yeah, should it. A lot of red flags to the Me Too moment right there. Uh, yeah, well... Ladies, have... stay away from the cherry pop daddies. Hey, ladies... A little don't PSA go, from... Don't go near those guys. Here at <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week, we tackle the very important question, Ska versus Swing. <laughs> Buckle up. Our next podcast, After Boy versus Don't. Buckle up for that. <laughs> it's going to be a thousand-part episode, episodic... <laughs> Journey. Penetrating <laughs> analysis of every single song ever identified as Scott or Swing. That's right. And Two songs per episode. And one uh, Scott, one Swing. And do we like them or do we not? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to almost every question is no. It was pretty good. It was yeah, okay. It's okay. <laughs> or, uh, you know, <laughs> episode 400 is going to be like, I'm pretty sick of this. You know, I really didn't I don't like want to listen to any more of this to be music. Honest, you guys, I didn't like that last one. Nope. I'm sick of it now. The other one was okay. <laughs> we can't play you any of it, but you'll just have to take our word for it. This has been another edition of Scholars of Swing. <laughs>
<laughs> Two downloads that month. <laughs> One guy. Double digits. Twice as good as the month before. Oh, advertisers, just line up. There's a line. <laughs> there is a line. Hey, Jake. Hey, what? You're about Dylan in 91. What do you say? Okay. Say? I'm going to start say, I'm going to start off uh, 1991 with a little bit of a You did such a nice reading of Crack City, which you know, God bless you, it has nothing to do with 1991. Uh, just want to put Shut that up, Jake. I'm going to say it's on sales. It's to the lyrics of his actual band. <laughs> They played Crack City in 91. You know, that, sure that having been said, it is a message that we need to convey whenever we can to the youth of America and the world. Um, but here's something else that I, I just, I'd like to read you some song lyrics. Um, Bob Dylan may or may not have, you know, had a hand in writing this here song. And I think I've told you about this before, but somebody else wrote this song and played it on their eight-time platinum number one album. This song was a top 40 hit in the U.K., I don't know if I'm just going to make you guess after this or whatever, but I'm, not, I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics here, okay? Okay, all right. In the night I hear you speak, turn around, you're in my sleep. Feel your hands inside my soul. You're holding on and you won't let go. I've tried running, but there's no escape. Can't bend them and I just can't break these steel balls wrapped all around me. I've been your prisoner since the day you found me. I'm bound forever till the end of time. Steel balls wrapped around this heart of mine. Jake, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm feeling romantic right now. I'm gonna I mean, go find the wife. I'll see you later. <laughs> Wonder what the wife's doing right now. Uh, I can't read you the rest of it because it gets even better, and I don't want to <laughs> blow your mind. It's already blown. Um, Bob Dylan somehow ended up in a room. Um, I guess it should be noted that Bob Dylan was completely adrift in 1991. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, His entire career at that point was just looking backwards. He was being... The folks at home will remember that 1990 Mm -hmm. was declared by us to be his worst year ever. That's right. As far as we know. Something else worse could come up yet, but I'm pretty sure that was the worst one. I can't imagine. Um, It's not... I can't imagine what it would be. It's not 1991, but that's because he didn't release a studio album. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somehow Bob Dylan ended up in a room, in, face-to-face, in person, um, with Michael Bolton. And they wrote this, <laughs> they wrote a song whoa, together whoa, whoa, called Steel <laughs> Balls are Wrapped Up. Nobody knew where it came from. Nobody knew what's going on. I, the story is like Michael Bolton, as Michael Bolton tells it, like Bob Dylan wanted to meet him. And so they met. Um, it should be stated that Bob Dylan was a pretty serious alcoholic at this point. I don't mm. know if that's why he met with Michael Bolton. Um, causation. That might be the reason right there. Uh, it, Bob Dylan was just in a bad way. But anyway, well, I mean... Bolton offered, offered to buy him a shot, and he, he was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's go take that shot together, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll share it. And also write a song together called Steel Bars. <laughs> Michael Bolton's... Time, Love, and Tenderness went eight times platinum in 1991, Just It was a number one selling album. He had several number one oh, hits. Oh, man. And I picture you, Jake, with, with his hair, Michael Bolton's hair. <laughs> All long and straight. That's kind of your hair. Look, right. It looks like when it's really long. Um, he, tried, he tried to muss it up. My, my hair is, I think my hair is too curly. It's too, no, wa- too, it's too wavy. No, it's not, maybe not curly. Maybe wavy is the word. Is that right? Maybe I need to look up the picture roll, Michael. Michael B. So in the video, in the video, long and curly. 
No, it's not. It's it's kind of it's kind it's almost crimpy curly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, not Fabio. Like it's not straight like Fabio. It's kind of it's very yeah. long. It's, it's kind of it's, yeah, it's yeah, Kenny, yeah. Kenny G. But also balding, balding up top. Yeah, oh yeah, G. oh yeah, Green. yeah. The party's <laughs> fading in the front, but in the back, oh baby, <laughs> it will never stop. It's going all night long. It's going. It's going down to his butt. <laughs> is where that party's going. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Steel Bars was a top 40 hit in the UK. I don't know it if it was, was like top four, if it was number 40 or it's higher. I don't know. Um, so he did that. Uh, Bob Dylan did. Uh, so another thing he did in 1991 is he attended the Grammy Awards. Yeah, these were the 33rd annual Grammy Awards in case that was mm-hmm. important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do the math. Yeah. Do the math. And he received a Lifetime Achievement Award. Which was presented to him by Jack Nicholson. Oh, it should have been presented by Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton should have been there. He was definitely there. Oh, he had to have been there. He, he had to be collecting some hardware that night. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and by that I mean winning Grammy awards left and right. <laughs> That's what I meant, everybody. Just want to make sure you all know that. Um, it was it was a crowded field. Um, I have I have just a little bit of a you know. Uh, just wondering if you know the answer to these random Grammy awards that I picked out for you to, hey, for you to guess. Let's find okay. out. <laughs> so in 1991, the is Madonna to all of them. In 1991, uh, who do you think won the best rap solo performance? Think about it. The, 1991. The oh, MC no, Hammer. He did for. Please, come on, Hammer. Don't hurt him. <laughs> Hey, hammer. hammer, please, Hammer, please. Come on, please Hammer, don't please him. Do not hurt them. Please don't hurt them. Um, <clears throat> oh, what, what do you? Who do you think won the best R&B song? That's rhythm and blues. That's a that's an acronym. Uh, let's see, nineteen ninety one. Yep. Who do you think won it? Mm. Just say it again. <laughs> okay, it is MC Hammer. Again. It's MC Hammer. Four. <laughs> You can't touch this. Yeah, touch them. You can't touch, can't touch this. Uh, best rap solo performance was also for You Can't Touch This. So he won for rap and for R&B. Yes, he did. Best uh, rap solo that's performance. That's why the Grammys just don't make any sense He didn't clean me. up on any of the group stuff because he's only one man, Chez. <laughs> um, and this, is my, this no. is my favorite one. <clears throat> Who do you think won best music video long form? Who do you think that was? Well, also MCM. Oh, yeah, you're hot. <laughs> when you're hot, you're hot. And this is my favorite part of this entire podcast, and possibly like the month, probably. He won Best Music Video Long Form. He received a Grammy for something called Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, semicolon, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which you and I had the tape for uh, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, but I, I, ne- I never... It stopped working because we listened to it too many times. It's so true. And I, I don't remember the movie, though. That must not have hit no, the No, I did not see the movie. A long-form music video. Anyway, um, MC I Hammer... Parents, I've talked to Mom about this, and she was she was a little nervous about, about MC Hammer. Well, there, about, was some, there was some nerve-wracking songs that she didn't... Well, there clear, was... She clearly that. didn't listen to it, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's bad news. Mom, if you're listening, and we know you are. I didn't know what that meant in 1991, so it was okay. I still don't know what that means. Let's not <laughs> let's not dwell on that. Um, okay, so moving on. So Bob Dylan in, uh, received the Lifetime Achievement Award, and and as I've intimated, he was kind of in a bad way. Um, he started out by doing something really cool, actually, which was he sang with a band. He sang Masters of War, his uh, his very very 
very sort of impactful and hard-hitting anti-war song from the early mm-hmm. 60s. Um, he performed this on the night of the first U.S. invasion of Iraq. I going to say, the Gulf War would be right then. The okay. Gulf War was that night. Okay. So that was kind wow. of interesting. Oh, Dylan. Um, it, it seems to violate Bob's no-politics policy, um, but also, if you remember, Chaz, that war was actually popular. Like, there wasn't a lot of, at that time... Not the second Iraq war, the first right, war. Right, right, right. Like, people were like, yeah! All I remember about that is being worried for a little while that dad was going to have to go. Yes, and that's true. And and, yeah. I, and then he didn't have to go, so that was good. He didn't, which is great. Um, yeah. But anyway, it was it was a bit of a, you know, I think that was a bit of a contrarian kind of a thing at that point. Yeah. For, for that. Um, but it's just a little too bad because his performance is awful. It's just terrible. Oh. They kind of do this, like, straight-ahead blues version of it. Um, and it's, ter- it's bad. He just, he's, he's out of it and, uh, and it, and it's, and it's bad. So I guess that's why the war yeah. kept, he couldn't stop the war with his bad performance. Um, okay. Couldn't stop the war within his soul, Jake. Ooh. So the right. The bottle. You're so right about that. I mean, do you want me to reread some of the lyrics from Crack City? Cause you know, alcohol is mentioned in there. He did, he did clean up. And so Bob, right. that is, um, still alive. Still here, still doing stuff. Bob, you can't keep on riding the pain you know so well. <laughs> I need to know that. I need to know. I think he does. Um, how about the? How about the? How about the? Uh, the never-ending tour. Let's do a little bit of that. So this hey, is this is kind of this is kind of fresh. This is kind of fresh never-ending tour. It's still He's, young. It's still a little. Baby it's still young. It's just it's crawling along. It's um, the time when people thought maybe hey maybe this this will, this probably ends soon. Right. Like hey, I guess he's touring again this year for the fourth year oh, in a row. That's uh, so he, that's crazy. Whoa. Whoa. He started like, like, like a never ending tour. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about that? <laughs> um, he started playing on January 28th and he didn't stop playing till November 20th that year. That's a hundred, 101 shows, six <laughs> legs. He went on six separate legs. Yeah, 101 shows. That's more than Tim machine ever played. Yeah. Hey, like just, combined. All of the shows combined for the entire existence of that band. In just a little less than 11 months, he smoked <laughs> Tim machine for breakfast. Um, there's six legs on this tour. It ended up being uh, 33 in Europe, 59 in North America, nine in South America. He had his first concert in Switzerland, and he did an eight-show residency at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, which is a very famous yeah. place. Yeah. And he also did two shows in Yugoslavia, which are his first and last, because Yugoslavia ceased to exist in 1992. Right. That's true. So there you have it. Uh, Bob, that was your never-ending tour. Moving on. The the only thing that he really did in 1991, and as I said, like his his career was an absolute no go at this point. Like it was a total stall job. So he's he's doing stuff like receiving a lifetime achievement award. He's just out there touring. Which is like the kiss of death, you know. It kind of is. It's like you're done, pal. Mm -hmm. You've already achieved. over. Yeah, you've already achieved what you're going to achieve in this lifetime. So thirty years later, thirty years later, Dylan's still. Bumping around, so, not ending his tour. So here's Jack Nicholson to just send you off into the night. Um, and to wit, uh, he did release the very first bootleg series, which oh, was oh hey whoa hey boot, whoa whoa bootleg series volumes one through three. That's yeah, three. How did that work? Explain that. I've seen that on okay. Thing. So I'm looking at it right now. Um, it just means that there's three there's three CDs. There's like three full album lengths. Now I <laughs> thought that 
uh, like one would be the sixties, one would be the seventies and one would be the eighties. Cause at that point <laughs> he had played three full decades basically. Yeah. Um, but no, that's not, that's not how it works. Like the sixties bleeds into volume two, the seventies bleed into volume three. But it's still like chronological across. The it's three chronological. Months? So okay. they're, pre- they're presented in chronological order. Um, I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a fun thing for you here. So there's 58 tracks on this thing all to all told, which is a lot. Uh, they're split up, as I said, between the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But, spoiler alert, it's not evenly split. Chaz, how many out of the 58 do you think came from the 1960s? Um, 15. 15 from the 1960s out of 58? Yes. Okay, you're dead wrong. Okay. There's 36 from the 60s. What you talked about how it was bleeding into the seventies on disc like the disc one was bleeding into the seventies. No, disc one the sixties bled into volume two. Oh, you I was you were clearly indicating the other in whatever turn of phrase you chose, Chaz, or whatever way I chose to listen to you. Chaz, listen. <laughs> the point of this is that you're on you know, right. This is kind of a he said he said thing because we can't go back and <laughs> this is not on record. We're just talking. <laughs> Right. There's no way for us to go back and find out who. No, we are, absolutely none. Let's 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 pretend this never happened. Uh, how many do you think came from the 1970s? Then, knowing that you were terribly wrong about the 60s, it was 36 that we said from the 60s. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a good ratio at this point. This <laughs> so, what All about right. the 70s though? We got 22 left. Yep. Uh, 15. It's 11. I guess 15 again. It's 11. And then oh, well, it's even for 70s. And right. 80s. 70s and 80s. I figured either. they'd give more to the 70s because it was still better than the 80s. Me too. Uh, but that's not the case at all. Um, yeah. How about and, and one more for you? So the sixties are split into nineteen sixty one, which was his first, the first year of his career, basically. Yeah. Through nineteen sixty four, and then of course nineteen sixty five through sixty nine. How many of the thirty six from the sixties do you think came in the first half of that decade? Twenty two. Ooh, that's a good guess. It's twenty six. Uh-huh. And ten from the latter half. When, when he was at his most popular. So clearly, clearly Sony or Columbia or whoever was like revered the early 60s the most. That was kind of the state of his career at that point. It's like still we're still looking at the 60s as the only thing that you, that you only did. Lifetime achievement award. Absolutely. So it never came out in separate volumes. It did not. It only came out as volumes one through three. Yeah, so you could get a three CD, you could get a five LP, and there was a cassette version as well. That I think was oh, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Give me your Christmas present this year. Oh <laughs> baby, you can get that for like a dollar right now. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> three dollars is three volumes, Jake. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Got to got to keep an eye on the profit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was kind of a. I don't know if this was a first of its kind for like a legendary musician, but, but Bob was probably the most, uh, obvious choice if they were going to do, if they were going to do sort of this, like look backwards thing. Um, he was prolific sometimes to a fault, like right away, yep. 1961 <laughs> through 1991. Yes. He was writing songs and recording them almost every year that entire time. He has, he has, uh, he had like at that point, I think like 30, 30 or 31 studio albums. And virtually all of them have outtakes. Uh, he's very restless, and he tried lots of different songs and different styles with different lyrics and musicians, etc. So there's all these like kind of different versions of these outtakes. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he developed, especially in the 1980s, this odd and perverse habit of leaving the absolutely best songs off of his album <laughs> uh-huh. when he was otherwise at his worst. So um, I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory about this. I'm starting yeah, to think that Bob Dylan did that on purpose, knowing that they were going to release this bootleg series in 1991. So the entire 80s jazz... Was just a <laughs> was just a way to make everyone so angry and thirsting for actual good songs from him that they would just they would come out in droves for the bootleg series and he he played a long con on us all. Did they come out in droves for it? Well, it debuted at number forty nine in the U.S. <laughs> so no, number thirty two in the U.K. <laughs> that's three discs, baby. That's a lot. That's hefty. Um, yeah, I, but they, they usually count those things like by. Like, a lot of those charts, if it's a double album, they count it twice. Yeah, they, well, they would count it three times, so. So he's so, that low, and it was counted three times. So he's doing great with the bootleg series. <laughs> I mean, but this is 1991. Come on, like, Paula Abdul but was still, like. like he's no, he debuts at number, what, 49? Is that what you said? Yeah, but my contention. You have to divide their numbers by three. Like, he debuted at, like, number 300 or something. Then I don't know what it was. Chaz, I don't like your math right now. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty sure that people didn't quite know what to do with it. Like uh, the box set, he he had just they knew invented. exactly what to do with it. Not buy it. <laughs> Shut up, Chaz. Gosh. I'm not saying it was bad. I bet the music was pretty good. I'm saying uh, this sucker tanked. I don't know about I don't know about tanks. Tanks. <laughs> tanks. Tanks. You tanked. Mm. You're tanking this right now. You're tanking. Uh huh. You're tanking. Uh. Anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the six songs from the bootleg series one through three that should have been on albums. I've got them in chronological order. Are they all in the eighties? No, they're not. No. Number one is Moonshiner, an outtake from the yeah. times they are yeah. changing. That would have fit just so sweet on that. The first time I ever heard Moonshiner was uh, Uncle Tupelo did a cover of it. That was oh, one of the, sure. That's one of those times when I was like, "What?" That's Speaking Bob, of nineteen ninety one, Dylan song. Right, Moonshiner. Uh, number two is nobody. There. Nobody. Jeff, Tweed, Jeff you. Tweedy bought a copy. He was the only one in America who bought a copy of this the week it was released. Chaz. So he <laughs> bought he bought one copy and three CDs made it onto number forty nine in the U.S. Please. <laughs> the rest of the band bought copies as well. <laughs> Bob's like, I'll take one. <laughs> one, please. <laughs> um, number two is nobody except you from uh, Planet Waves. Planet Waves was kind of a thin album. That's the one that he did with the band. And why not just put like a decent song on there? Just slap it on there. Put it on there. Uh, or could not do that. Number three. Leave the good songs off. Number three, Golden Loom from Desire, which is jam-packed with great songs. But again, I like. I say Golden Loo. Golden Loo. Like, like the Loo. Can I gold. go to the Golden Golden Loo? Golden Loo. No, it's a loom. You make fabric on it. Uh, number Ooh. four is Angelina from Shot of Love. Now we're in the 80s. The last three are all from the 80s. Angelina's a great song. It's like kind of a stream of consciousness, kind of sounds like a dream. One of those songs that sounds like it came from somewhere, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Good mm-hmm. imagery in it. That was uh, that could have that been the second decent song on Shot of Love, but instead he's like, no thanks. I'm not going to put... <laughs> Don't want too many good songs in the no, one. No, there's only one on there. That's fine. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. That's enough. I met my quota. Let me fill the rest of it with absolute hot garbage. <laughs> Who 
who's with me? And everyone's like, no, you should put the good songs on there. And he's like, great, we agree. No good songs. Uh, number number five is the is the granddaddy of them all. This is Blind Willie McTell, which we've which, oh yeah, which we've talked about several times. That was supposed to be on Infidels, which was almost a decent album, almost. And, and so if it had a, like that good song in there, it would have been a decent. It would have been a decent album. It would have at least got like a zero from me. And if it had been produced by David Bowie, oh, it would have been terrible. Another half pointed. <laughs> well, on this podcast, that would have been like a twelve thousand. <laughs> and we would have shared the points, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number six is Series of Dreams, which was an outtake um, from Oh Mercy and is one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs, full stop. So, and if you remember, Oh Mercy is a good album, and it's got good songs on yeah, it. Yeah, I have vaguely positive feelings about them, and it sounds like yeah. you do. And I think you could have taken off, like, maybe one of the songs... None of them are bad, but you could have taken off one to make room for a series of dreams because it's super good. Um, he also released that as a single with a video that is very 1991. It's like extremely <laughs> oh, yeah. 1991. So it's archival footage, and I'll see if I can explain this. If you watched it, you would know exactly what I mean. Um, okay. The archival footage is kind of like uh, coming in and out, um, but there's like kind of like crayon or, or something drawings on it, and it's kind of like shaking and yeah. they're writing yeah, like they're li- they're writing lyrics on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not eighties, but it's not nineties. It's it's oh, yeah, ninety one. I, it. I got it in my brain. Yeah, it's ninety one. Uh, I don't know if the audience can can quite pick <laughs> up on that. Just go watch the video. It's a great song. So it, most of the them were there least. in nineteen ninety one. Most of them are around. Though. I would think so. Do we have anybody younger than who was born? Well, that was almost thirty years ago. Almost <laughs> <laughs> okay. thirty years. No. <laughs> that makes me older than thirty. Mm-hmm. Some of this might say that you're turning 40 this year. Some might, some great, might do that. Great acclaim. Um, so the whole conceit behind this, I think, is is genius. Like I, I love the bootleg series in general, and of course, this is this is a great one. Like they kind of play like this ones kind of play like albums, and you're kind of going through um, listening to his styles change and all that stuff. There's two very like abrupt changes on it. If you're just thinking about his career from 61 through, through 91, one is when he plugs in and he does uh, subterranean homesick blues. Like he was Judas, <laughs> Judas, <laughs> when he became Judas, <laughs> uh, related news. I'm just celebrating the 500th time. I've said the word Judas on this. Podcast. That's great, man. That's great. Mm-hmm. Take a shot with Michael Bolton. <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> he's right here. What are you guys doing right now? I think he's listening to this podcast right now. I think you know the answer <laughs> to that. Michael Bolton getting some love on Bowie versus Dylan. Uh, uh, yeah, so you're you're listening to 26 songs of like folk songs and him and just his guitar and harmonica, and all of a sudden it's like boom, boom. It's like ah, it's so different. And then the second time he changes is when he becomes a Christian and he goes down and records at Muscle Shoals where he becomes like a pop musician, like a late 70s yeah. pop musician. Yeah. It's yeah. like, whoa, where did that come from? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, first you were doing Desire and it was awesome and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, what is this? Yeah, wow. Whoa-wee. Um, I think the Bootleg series in general is just like a genius move on the part of it, whoever It really is. It. I'm jealous of it. Right. Like on boy's behalf. Right. Um, and it, it's it's... It's perfect for someone like me who doesn't have the resources or the patience to collect all the bootlegs. 
Um, well, but, like get some kind of reasonable quality level too, rather than going yeah. bootleg. Well, that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah, like, I've, they're, I've they're, never been dying on bootlegs either, but every once in a while, I you know come across one. Okay, yeah, you kind of you know dip your toes <laughs> in that water. Uh, yeah, I'm a completist at heart, so it's good to be like, okay, I have every single uh, uh, you know blood on the tracks. Every time he sneezed into the microphone, I get to listen. Every single time he coughed, right. Yeah. And I am interested in the creme de la creme of this massive pile of outtakes and stuff. Like I love outtakes. I just I need them oh, yeah. to be I need them to be a little cultivated for me. I need yeah. them to be remastered. Created. They need to well, sound well good. Curated. Yeah. yeah, I need yeah. a curation and that and that's what this yeah. is all about. They sound really great. They've been remaxed and remastered. Um, they have accurate info about who played on them and like what date hey, it was. Well, that's, that's something nice. And of course the packaging is really nice too. This this one, of course, was just like one of those massive CD jewel cases. Oh yeah, that yeah, was the like double as one, thick as your thumb, more thicker than your thumb. It was a triple. So back then, that oh, was true. like that they was like the like size of your section on there. I don't know. I forget. I did buy it on CD in that massive case, um, but I don't really remember. They're just really big. Okay. Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's probably uh, just a double. I mean, I got I got a quadruple album still in a double case. Oh, so they just they Einstein, just Einstein on the Beach by Phil Glass. Oh, sure, that's a, that's a four CD. It's in a double case though. But when did that come out? Because CD jewel case technology made a leap in the late nineties. <laughs> uh, I don't. Know. I mean, I'm guessing the copy I have is is from either the eighties or nineties. I'm sure, but I'm not. But I'm not positive when what's from. I would guess the eighties though. Okay. You know, I don't know how to fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have it in front of me. It's downstairs. It's I feel bad. like our... Uh, I'm in the middle of podcasting, so I can't go get it right now. I feel like our conversation has completely stagnated on this issue. <laughs> hey, let me tell you about the year in fro, and then we're going to do some points. Year in fro! Hey, the year in fro. Um, it's yeah, kind of a yeah. sad year in fro. Uh, wow. So so we're is supposed that, to... Is it just get too big? Is it like Icarus? No, done no I wish. That would be way better. Um <laughs> Uh, so we're supposed to recall the year 1978 and 1990. Um, in 78, he had the huge fro with the mullet. So it's like a, it's a big old fro. But in 1991, you know, uh, pictures, pictures show it kind of matted with hat head at times. Mm. Um, unwashed kind of. And then uh, um, mm. it pairs, it pairs disturbingly with kind of like a jowly, puffy, slacked expression and um, mm. almost definitely like an alcoholic face. Bob's, yeah, not, that's Bob's not doing good. So we're glad, we're glad you pulled it together. You know, 101 shows later with that. I don't know how he made it through something like that. Uh, but you know what? He's still with us today. And yeah, his you. Lifetime Achievement Award was 30 years ago almost. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready for another one. <laughs> he, he is. He is. Put him on the Grammys love, again. I would love the Grammys gave him a second Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> like, hey, Bob, come on back. Hey, hey, Bob. Say like, what year is this? I you achieved some more stuff since the last time. All right, man. I think that's everything hey. I got. Let's do some points. Yeah, let's hit it up. Points, points, points. Tim Machine 2. Oof. The album. Oof. The sequel album. Tim Machine 2. Yeah. I mentioned it as being both simultaneously better and worse than the first one. And by that I mean that the best songs Tim Machine ever did are on Tim Machine 2. And the worst songs Tim Machine ever did are on Tim Machine 2. Wow. And Tim Machine, the Wonderful. album, the first album, exists almost entirely in the in the center of that. Uh, a third of Tim Machine 2 is just, like, horrendous. Some of the very worst songs Bowie had ever had anything to do with whatsoever. Sounds and uh, two of them sung by Hunt Sales, and they're just the worst. 
You didn't give us a sample. We we don't get to hear any of this. I'm sorry. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I mean, at least he's apologizing for the whole song. I presumably for the song he's singing at the time because it's such a bad. Song. At least he doesn't have steel bars wrapped all around him. Or does he? <laughs> he's sorry about the steel bars. Steel wrapped. balls wrapped all around me. I'm sorry. Steel balls. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going stateside. That's another one. Do you think uh, that we live sh- went on for like nine minutes for some reason? I uh, uh, another third of the songs are just like mediocre to pretty bad mm-hmm. somewhere in there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then there are like three to four songs that are legitimately quite good songs. Um, overall, the lyrics are a lot better on Tim Machine Two than on Tim Machine One. Nice. Uh, Tim Machine One, the the rest of the band encouraged Bowie to just go with like whatever stuff popped in his brain and not sure. rework it, which is how such nuggets as a holes with b holes for brains came Come in on, there. Man. Uh, so the lyrics are definitely better overall on this one, and there's a few songs where you just feel like they they took a little more time, just did a little something better. Uh, it's still a quite bad album, one of Bowie's worst. Uh, I actually lined it up. It, it's kind of funny because yeah, because there's there's better stuff than anything on Tim Machine One, and there's worse stuff than anything on Tim okay. Machine One. And I averaged it out to the same score as Tim Machine One. <laughs> wow! So, so what is it's it? a negative? It's a negative one point five. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. No, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, they went on it. tour. It, it, as I said before, they're definitely a better live band than they are in record, but. When you are Tin Machine and you only have two albums and mm. you refuse to play any of Bowie's rich, rich catalog of amazing songs. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is, it's kind of a problem for any young band. You just don't have a lot of material to play. Like, sure. you know, you only have an album or two. You're just playing what you have. So the performances are solid, but the songs still aren't that, that good, you know? So you're just <laughs> like doing the best you can with what tough, you got. With, tough break. You know, they just got a couple covers in there, which they had some pretty good covers and also some bad ones. So, so, I don't know. so at the end of it, they were like, you know, our tour would have been good or better, but our song sucked. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if they were saying that. Seems, like kind, of a, nah. seems like kind of a, a big problem to have. Yeah, that's kind of a big problem. Uh, they got decent reviews for the tour. They okay. really did this time. Um, it also provided most of the material for Bowie's worst ever live album. Oy vey, baby. I mean, the tour as a whole did, but most of those songs were, were recorded in Oy vey, baby. Which is just a horrendous, uh, that live album is so bad. It's so bad. Especially when they actually had some decent material to work with, like they did. They just chose all the worst stuff. They, they dillened it. They just they, they just <laughs> They pulled what they had we call... Stuff and they had some horrible stuff, and they put all the bad stuff on there and held back the good stuff. They pulled what we call in the industry a dillon. A dillon. Uh-huh. Right. So, I'm, so uh, I'm giving the tour a zero. It got decent reviews, okay. but I mean, it's kind of middling. Uh, singles. We got three singles Woo! off of Tim Machine 2. The first one is You Belong in Rock and Roll. Yeah, you do. Which, while it doesn't have amazing lyrics, it is hands down my favorite Tim Machine song. Wow. No question. This is it. So this, they actually did okay for singles because they, uh, they picked some of the good songs off the album. They, they at least could recognize that. <laughs> I honestly really enjoy listening to You Belong in Rock and Roll. I like it. I'm giving it a full one. You don't sound ashamed of that at all. I'm not ashamed of, no, of liking this song. I don't care. Great. I, yeah, I like it. Great. Only God can Next up you. is uh, One Shot, which is not a very good song. <laughs> not your favorite. Uh, but not completely horribly horrendous. Right. Uh, it had the best music video out of the three singles, but none of the 
none of them are that great. So yeah. we're going to go with negative 0.5 for one all shot. Right, all right. And Baby Universal. Hands Terrible. down, my second favorite song on the album. Wow. So, wow, good, good work. Good work. It was all, yeah, yeah. There's two, uh, there's like, yeah, about four good songs in there. And they picked two of them for singles. That was, that's a pretty good ratio. Um, so this is the opener to the album, and yeah, it's a good luck rocker. I'm okay. going to give it a 0.5. All right. Finally, or not finally, two other things here. One thing I did not mention earlier is Bowie also released a compilation, really an interesting uh, note uh, compilation in 1991 called okay. Early On. And what it did is uh, longtime fans of the show will know that Bowie released a lot of singles before he got his first album. And uh, so he started, his first single came out in 64. He didn't release his first album until 67. And before those, like, he got picked up by this record label, he was on a whole bunch of bands, and he released, uh, is it, no, I'm forgetting how many, I'm not even having it down. It's six, it's six different singles. Six different singles with different bands before he got his, like, record label and his first album. Um, so what Early On does is the only compilation of its kind, before or since, to mop up all six of those singles mm. and their beast in one oh, place. Hell. And then added five previously unknown demos of songs that... Ooh. Or pre- completely unknown. They're not like demos of songs that showed up anywhere else. They're completely Sounds tasty. I know. So this is a really notable compilation. And even to this day, if you have any, if you're interested in like getting all of Bowie's early stuff, all that '64 to '66 stuff, this is the the way to do it. Mm. So I got Bad Boy, and it's it's well worth a listen. Mm. He's going through his uh, mod period and his R and B periods, and like these aren't amazing songs, but they're not horrible, and they're really kind of charming in their uh, you know the early look at, you know, he's 17 when the first song on there comes out. Was this his, and then was this his swing and ska period as well? Or did that, was that later? The ska period? Well, yeah. that was later on. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. He, he dab- dabbled in ska. <laughs> I'm sure he did. 1984. <laughs> That's a, ska is, that. is, ska's a little bit reggae adjacent. Like a white guy's yeah, got to, yeah. yeah, white guy's got to do the, just a little bit of ska. Just you a know? little bit of ska. Just a little so I I give this compilation a one. It's it's of such you know importance to like that early period and it's unique. And they came up with five demos of songs no one had ever heard of. It's a it's worth uh, your time. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah. I think I think you know yeah, what this story is going to be. Okay. Worthwhile. Watch. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Bowie appeared on that TV show Dream On. Sure. It was two. It was small role in two episodes. I'm not giving any points for that. It's All not right. a notable enough thing to do. But but to these, give or take away points. But these. Yeah, geez. So he somehow scraped by. It's really early on, and you belong in rock and roll is what did it. But he pulled off a positive performance in 1991, wow. which is something I was not expecting. Crazy. Uh, with a point five. <laughs> hey, the 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 least positive you can be, but positive nonetheless. But positive nonetheless. Positive nonetheless. I expected this year to be a negative, and it was not. It's not. It's not. We're uh, both of us are not going to be negative, and I I don't know oh. what I expected from '91, but act, you know Dylan's life was an absolute shambles. But yeah. his, oh, thank you, you know, bootleg series. Cause. Thank you, bootleg series. Um, yeah. So the the Neverending Tour, um, an early edition. So 101 shows is just an awful lot, and I I was thinking about giving it like a plus one just because. You know, he went to a bunch of places he hadn't been yet. He had this residency. Mm-hmm. But then I realized this is his death mask phase. Like, this is his running away from his problems phase mm-hmm. of the never-ending mm-hmm. tour where he's just like... And sometimes you run to South America for nine days. You do. You go when you try to get away from Yeah. And it's just, it's not, the performances aren't 
aren't very good. He's very unengaged in these in these years. Um, so it's it's still a plus point five though. It's still impressive yeah. on that level. Um, so the single that he he did from the Bootleg series, Volume One through Three, the last song on the entire compilation is "Series of Dreams," with its uh, extremely nineteen ninety one video, but also a a fantastic song, like just a great song. Um, so I'm going to give that a plus one. Hey, good. Good and then you. the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3, we judge on a three-point scale. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, This is the first of its kind. It's just got a wealth of outtakes and other stuff from his from his entire career. There's lots of highlights on it. I think it leans f- way too heavily on his early 60s material. Like, that's probably just a preference thing, but that's not... Mm-hmm. As good as some of those songs are, that's not really my... That's not really my jam with with Dylan. Like... I I would have enjoyed much more of the seventies as a compilation. I would have taken much more seventies, um, not more eighties. That's fine. There's the, <laughs> there's the right amount of eighties on there. Um, there are a bunch of songs on here. Like if you're a if you're maybe like a medium Bob Dylan fan, there's actually a bunch of songs on here that have entered the canon despite not being on albums. Where you might be <laughs> like, oh, I swear that wasn't on a, on an album, um, just because it's. Uh, some of them have gotten like as famous as other songs, of course. Like Blind know. Willie Tell. Yeah, Blind Willie McTell. Uh, this was his first official appearance, is that right? Yes, first official appearance. Okay. Um, yeah, but there's there's some other ones too. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I'm, I'm looking here to see if I can find an example. Like Mama, you've been on my mind. That was never on an album, but that's been covered a thousand times, and everyone knows that song. Uh, I'll keep it with mine. That's another one. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, now there's no super deluxe corollary here. It's just like a normal thing. So oh, yeah, at the, uh, the super deluxe boxing extra point. Okay. Yep. So out of three, I'm going to give it a plus two. Yeah. Seems it's solid. It's excellent. And it's also solid, but it's not like. Well, mind, nice work. Dylan. You did a, a decent year here. Yep. Pretty, so pretty plus 3.5. Decent year. Good wow, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing he didn't release anything new. Yeah. Or <laughs> it would have been a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh, and I, there's one more thing I wanted to do. Um, we, do, we don't normally do other artists for um, the points, but I just thought, you know, our friend MC Hammer had such a, had such a, great, <laughs> such a great year that I, I actually went through and I did his year in points. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, hey, how many points I got? Well, we're going to see how it does. I'm going I'm to do the rundown here, and then we can say yeah, goodbye. Yeah. Um, okay, so this was... Actually, it was Hammer this year. It wasn't MC Hammer anymore. Oh, did he stop an MC? He dropped the MC for his. It was a little bit later for his album "Too Legit to Quit," the follow-up to "Please Hammer Don't." But that came out in ninety. I thought that wasn't until ninety-two. Yeah, it was ninety-one. It went three times platinum, which shockingly was a disappointment. Too legit. Too legit to quit. Hey hey. Too legit. Too legit to quit. And it's bonkers music video. But not not as bonk. So too legit to quit was too legit to quit the album. It's a little darker. He addresses a lot of his critics on it for um, mm-hmm. saying that he was kind of like rap light on mm-hmm. "Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him," and he enjoyed this kind of lavish lifestyle. So he was he was attacking his critics by telling them that he was too legit to quit. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great album. I, I give it a plus three point five out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a he had a gaggle of singles. Uh, the first one to come out was a song called Yo! with two exclamation points. Sweetness with no exclamation points. 
Yo, sweetness. Give it to me. Give it to me. Is my weakness. Give it to me. I forgot about that song. Okay, great song. I give it a plus Was that one from Hammer Don't Hurt Him or from Too Legit to Quit? That was from Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Okay. That was a carryover. He was Hammer... Hammer was impossibly huge in 1991. Yeah, oh, he was. So he had like six singles off of Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. So Yo, with two exclamation points, Sweetness, is a plus 0. .5. I just think it's a fun song. Um, he, he stumbles a little bit with Hammer, Hammer, They Put Me in the Mix. Um, not the least of which is because they put the parentheses in the song at the beginning. So Hammer, Hammer is in parentheses, but They Put Me in the Mix is not in parentheses. Uh-huh. Okay, so that confused. I would think it the other way around. That confused I would me. Guess the other way around. Yeah, that's that's why I was confused. Um, it did. It did. It was number forty in the U.S. R&B chart, and it was a top twenty hit, full stop, in the U.K. for some reason. I don't think this song is as good. I give it. I give it a plus zero. I think it's kind of lazy. Okay, all right. Um, bad. All right, so a couple more singles. Stumble sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Either, we know you're too legit to quit. Don't worry. <laughs> Even legends stumble. <laughs> Uh, uh, the single "Too Legit to Quit" is an absolute monster. It's classic. a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. It was number five in the U.S. and you know, for oh, Hammer here, this is one of his two singles is going to get a plus two point zero from me. Uh, <laughs> the other one, of course, is "You Can't Touch This," but we we haven't <laughs> that done that. Came out in nineteen ninety. That came out in nineteen ninety. Um, the other thing that came out and was shockingly popular was the Adams Groove from the. Oh, Adams, I was hoping that was there from the Adams family. <laughs> Number yeah, seven, no. number seven in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> the kick and they stop the pension. The Adam family. Yo, yo, yo. I give it a plus one point zero. I almost, I almost took some points off because the the video begins with him being decapitated with a guillotine and a very bad CGI head rolls around on the floor singing the song. I'm not making that up. You can go look it up. You know I will. All right. So the world tour. He he embarked on a world tour. Um, the state where the stage show reportedly had become as lavish as his lifestyle. Uh, quote: <laughs> It was loaded with singers, dancers, and backup musicians. And Chaz, unfortunately, the supporting concert tour for Too Legit to Quit was too expensive for the album's sales to finance, so it was just canceled partway through. Oh man! Uh, boy, boys, <laughs> did not have money off of too legit to quit. No, it went three times. The tour. It went three times platinum, and it just wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, boys, this is a bunch from this tour. What was going on in this? It thing? was as lavish as his lifestyle, which we know. Was there just people like pouring bottles of champagne over his head the entire show? Hammer made tens of millions of dollars, and he was he was bankrupt by like 1996. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Boys to Men would join the tour in 1992. Oh man, what a show! <laughs> what a show! Now it's I, beauty. I can't fault Hammer, you know, just because his show was too lavish, and he was trying too hard to entertain you. So I still give it a plus one, even though it was canceled partway through. So let's just let's add this up here: three point five. Okay, so that's a four, six. Seven. So Hammer gets a plus eight. <laughs> oh man, Hammer wins this edition of Boy vs. Dylan. Hammer slammered. Hammer hammers him. <laughs> you know he what? Did, Hammer, he did he hurt did him. Bowie and Dylan combined. <laughs> he did hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> please don't. Please don't hurt him. Oh, Hammer, not, 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 not anymore. <laughs> oh, please don't. Hurt I don't think. I don't think 1992 was quite as kind to our <laughs> to our friend Hammer. 
So there you go. That's Bowie versus yeah, Dylan versus kind of, Hammer. It was kind of on two albums for him, and that was it. And he was kind of done. Yeah, and I did, you know, I was forced to look at his Wikipedia page. Because um, <laughs> this is Bowie versus Dylan versus Hammer. And uh, he has released a lot of music since then. And it's not... Is he, what? Sorry, you cut out for a second. Uh, he has released a lot of music since then. A lot of music. Yeah, he had to. He was forced to become an independent artist after some time, so <laughs> it didn't get it didn't get very good. But then he started appearing no. in commercials, and I'm sure he gets paid handsomely for all of those things, making fun of himself for being bankrupt. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to go because you're cutting out a whole ton now. I'm oh, that's weird. Oh. All right. Well, maybe we'll cut okay. off the end of the show. Hey, what's coming up next, though? Hey, next year you know, we are doing uh, a little year. We're going 20 years into the future. Yes. Um, Hammer's long. <laughs> long uh, deal with bankruptcy. Hey, stay tuned. <laughs> and uh, doing 2011. Woo! 2011. Super hot. It's the 10th anniversary of the 10th anniversary of 1991. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. what we celebrate. Mm-hmm. Hey! Okay. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. See you next time. Bye.